We are really grateful uh, to be able to share with you today. Today is Bring Your Wife to Work Day. And um, <laughs> we are currently uh, in, a, uh, in, a, uh, in our second week of a three-week marriage series that we're titling Marriage and Intimacy. Last week, uh, Pastor Dave Lomas spoke on marriage and commitment. And today, uh, my wife Bethany and I uh, get to speak on marriage as ministry. Um, but before we get into that, I wanted to um, just take just a second for those of you who don't know who we are, just to share a little bit about um, our life and who we are. So um, again, we, we're Kevin and Bethany Cook, and in five days, we get to celebrate our 22nd wedding anniversary. Uh, we have, our family has been a part of this community for about a little over nine years, and I joined staff about three and a half years ago, and I've been serving as the marriage and family pastor for our church since that time. Well, hi, everyone. Um, I'm Bethany, <laughs> and um, a little bit about me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. A little bit about me. Um, I am a teacher. I teach fifth grade. Uh, I teach in Pacifica at a school called Pacific Bay Christian School. And so I apologize ahead of time if you start feeling like you're back in grade school, I might put on my teacher voice. So sorry. Uh, I'd like to show you a picture of our family. We have two awesome teenagers. Uh, our daughter Zoe, who as you can see from this picture, she just graduated high school not too long ago. She's going to start college this fall. And then we have our son, Gordon, he's 15. He'll be a junior this year in high school. Uh, we're, he's learning to drive this summer, so that's been fun. Um, <laughs> we also have two other members of our family that we don't want to forget to share about. Uh, we have our dogs. <laughs> okay, the first, this one's Cody, he's our mutt. Uh, we got him from the SPCA about six years ago, and he's kind of a love bully. He just loves to be loved, and so he's been great to have, and I guess we don't have our picture of our other one, Daisy. She's... Santa Claus is not our dog, guys. No. Just, <laughs> just want to point that out. We have another one, too, that we treat a little bit more like a princess. She basically gets treats for doing nothing, but, you know, she's been in our family for 12 years, so we can't help it. So basically, this is us without Santa, um, and we're really grateful. God has brought us through 22 years faithfully, and so we're so thankful for that. And like Kevin said, today we get to teach on marriage as ministry, and to do that, we're going to look at the marriage of Aquila and Priscilla from Acts 18 in the Bible. Uh, we think this is such a beautiful and faithful model of marriage and min as ministry. And so if you would turn with us to Acts 18, if you'd like a Bible, you can raise your hand and one of the ushers will bring you one. We're also going to have it on the screen uh, behind us. And we're going to be taking turns reading together. We're going to read through a couple sections of Acts 18. We're going to start with verse 1. So I'll give you a minute to get there. <clears throat> So it's Acts 18, verse 1. Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. Okay, jumping down to verse 18. Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. 
Then he left the brothers and sisters and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Before he sailed, he had his hair cut off at Centuria because of a vow that he had taken. They arrived at Ephesus, where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. He himself, he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. And then down to verse 23. After spending some time in Antioch, Paul set out from there and traveled from place to place throughout the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. And when Apollos wanted to go to Acacia, the brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. When he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed. He vigorously refuted his Jewish opponents in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father God, first I want to start by saying thank you for community. And God, I say thank you for community, community within marriage. And God, Bethany and I, um, we stand up here and, and uh, we confess that we have by, have by no means had a perfect marriage. But God, had it not been for your grace, Lord Father, we wouldn't be standing here today on this stage. So God, in that confession, we su submit our capacities to you. God, we pray against distractions. God, we pray from wh wh wherever it is that we're coming from or whatever is going on in our lives right now, that your peace would be poured over us and that your word would go forward unhindered. And we pray for all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we don't know a ton about Aquila and Priscilla, but what we do know and what we do see in the text is this reflection and model of marriage is ministry. And here are a few details that I want to point out that we can gather from the text about who they were. Priscilla and Aquila, they're married. They were tent makers like Paul was. They supported the ministry of both Paul and Apollos. They were Jewish believers. They believed in Jesus as the Messiah. And they're actually mentioned together six times in the New Testament. They're always mentioned together. One is never mentioned without the other. And as a fun fact, each time that they're mentioned, they're actually mentioned in alternating order. Three times they're mentioned as Aquila and Priscilla, and three times they're mentioned as Priscilla and Aquila. Now, some scholars believe that this was an intentional way to show them both equal honor as they were both regarded as equally important in their ministry work. And uh, as we read the text this morning, we want to actually ask three questions about marriage as ministry. We want to ask, what is it, how does it happen, and what does it produce? Again, I'll repeat that. We want to ask the question, what is marriage as ministry? How does marriage as ministry happen? And what does marriage as ministry produce? So when, when we say marriage as ministry, what exactly does marriage have to do with ministry? Or what does ministry even have to do with marriage? When we think about ministry, I imagine that uh, many of us uh, can think about different things. Uh, we could think about serving on Sundays. We just heard about John, who serves in the back. 
Uh, we could think about ushering, greeting. Uh, we could think about, I want to give a shout out to my Reality SF youth group sitting over here. You might be serving with them or in the village. And certainly, um, these are all things that um, are a part of doing ministry. But um, when it comes to uh, marriage as ministry, um, we don't normally think about these things as being synonymous. And a lot of times, that's because we compartmentalize things in our mind. Uh, for example, today is Sunday, tomorrow is Monday, many of you are going to be going to work. Um, are we really going to be conscious, like unless you do this vocationally as living, are you really going to be consciously going into work going, I'm going to do ministry? Also, when it comes to marriage, um, we may have different reasons why we even get married. Um, we might think of marriage as an opportunity to do life with someone that we just really enjoy doing life with. Or maybe we pick a mate based on how well they complement and fulfill our plans for our future life. Some people pick um, a partner based on whether or not they might make a great mother or father. And these things aren't necessarily bad, but we don't normally pick a spouse based on someone who we can fulfill the mission of God with. We often don't think about getting married in the context of ministry. And so we actually looked up the def definition of ministry and found that ministry also means holy orders. So when we say marriage is ministry, what we are talking about are God's holy orders for marriage. And as Christ's followers, all of us, every person in this room, we are given holy orders. And these holy orders are essential to us living into a life of ministry together. But the question is, how does that happen? How do we live out our holy orders together? Well, last week in the context of marriage, last week we talked about Matthew uh, chapter 19, um, verses 5 and 6, where Jesus comments on marriage, and he says this, It is for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and will be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. This becoming one flesh, uh, this oneness, is essential to the holy orders of marriage. And I believe uh, that this oneness, that it happens immediately in God's, God's eyes, um, but it's also something that we have to grow into as a couple in terms of learning what that looks like to live into our oneness. So Bethany and I uh, originally met on the East Coast in Maryland, and we started dating. Um, we moved to California together back in 1996 as a dating couple. And ever since being here, we've always been known as Kevin and Bethany, or Bethany and Kevin. And as we built our lives, uh, our friendships and our relationships, we've been known more as Kevin and Bethany than we have been known as just Kevin or just Bethany, because we've always done things together. In fact, over the past 22 years, we've actually come to realize, looking back on the long view of our marriage, that we've always been living a life of ministry. And this hasn't really been intentional, but it's flowed out of our oneness. We've come to learn that marriage is ministry. It started in our marriage, but it didn't just stay there. It actually grew and flowed out from our marriage over the years. And the more our oneness was cultivated, the more ministry flowed out of our marriage. But you might ask, uh, what does this oneness look like in a practical sense? Um, how does oneness take shape on a daily basis? How is it cultivated? Um, so there's a few habits that we that we can develop as married couples to cultivate and build oneness. One way of cultivating oneness is the importance of praying for your partner. Uh, this is something that can be, that can, 
you, it's easy to do at the beginning of your relationship because you're feeling so much love. <laughs> um, but it's important to stay devoted to this as time goes on when the work of marriage really kicks in. And we believe that God will honor our faithfulness to this because even when you don't feel like praying for your partner, ask God to give you a heart that wants to pray for your partner because this is such an important part of cultivating, cultivating and building oneness. And another part, not just praying for your partner, but also learning how to pray together. Uh, Kevin and I pray regularly for many things, but one of the most helpful practices for us is to pray in the heat of moment for things. So whether that be stopping and praying uh, in the here and now for others, or maybe we're in an argument or feeling frustrated or we've reached a stalemate, we might pray right at that point. Yeah, and I wish I could say uh, that I've always been good at this. Um, I really do, but God is listening. Um, <laughs> but, but I have to confess, there are times uh, when we were cranky or frustrated with one another, and Bethany's always been really great at going, okay, stop, we need to pray. And then in response, I'll for fold my arms like a petulant child and go, okay, you go first. <laughs> but really, praying together is such a key to oneness. Um, also learning how to encourage one another. Uh, and one of the things Kevin's really good at that I'm still practicing is learning how to empathize with the other person. Not just having a response to them, but learning how to walk in their shoes or hear what they've said and really just practice that empathizing listening, I think is very important. Last week, uh, Dave talked about something called bids from John Gottman's study of relationships. And in a nutshell, bids are acts and gestures of moving toward one another in positive ways. And if you missed that, we encourage you to listen to last week's message. But to cultivate oneness, things like bids, positive bids, praying together, empathizing and encouraging one another, even when it doesn't feel natural, these are the things that we've learned to prioritize in our marriage. And it takes time, it takes reminders, it takes grace, because some of these things we've really struggled with to master over the years. But these are the types of habits that produce and they reinforce oneness in our marriage. And once these habits become natural, they flow out of our relationship and then they can start to affect others around us. Yeah, and there, there are many things that can get in the way of cultivating oneness uh, in our marriage, all of which are really just kind of byproducts of our fallen nature. Because in our fallen nature, we naturally bend towards ourselves, okay? Cultivating oneness requires a dying of, dying of ourselves. And many of us are familiar with um, the verse in Luke 9, uh, verse 23, where Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. Now, this is hard enough, hard enough to do on our own, but it's even harder to do in the context of marriage and relationships. Because relationships will make you very, very self-aware of your own selfishness, especially if you have a spouse that's happy to point that out for you. <laughs> and I'm not talking about her, I'm just saying generally, <laughs> generally speaking, generally speaking, so. But it really is like living with an honest mirror. Um, our marriage as Christ followers requires us to die to ourselves. This is, this is very much a part of our uh, living out our holy orders. And um, these are all things that, that we started learning at the onset of our marriage. 
Uh, marriage will give you many, many, many opportunities to learn how to be selfless. And it doesn't mean that you're going to pass every time. Uh, it just takes time. It takes practice. It takes many, many mistakes. And it takes a ton of grace because it's not always easy. For example, there were times where I had opportunities to do things with friends or go places. And I would want Bethany's blessings to be able to do that. Um, because sometimes these things would come at not the best timing. Um, but Bethany never wanted to be the one to tell me yes or no, which means um, that decision would lay squarely on my shoulders. And, you know, I was seeking her approval, but I didn't want to have to make uh, that choice on my own. So I had to learn how to say no to things on my own. And that learned selflessness, that putting her needs before my own wants, um, that's what made room for God to do more in our lives and in our relationship. So one of, one of the formulas, uh, one of our formulas to this day that we, that we employed to cultivate and achieve oneness is by valuing unity. Now, from earlier on in our marriage, we made the decision that our ultimate goal would always be unity, that that's what we're striving for in everything. So to this date, we do not try to make any big decisions or agreements unless we have unity. For example, Kevin used to work in biotech years ago, and the company decided to move their office to Seattle and invited him up to take a job in Seattle. So we went up there, all expense paid, to consider it. And it was tough because everything seemed a lot more doable up there, uh, like buying a house, the cost of living in general was cheaper. Um, so there didn't seem to be much reason not to go. However, after praying about it and seeking wise counsel, we felt that God wanted us to stay here. Our community at that time was so important to us, and it didn't feel like it was the right thing for us. This was about over 16, 17 years ago. And we had this sense that God was doing something special in our lives through community. And even though Kevin would be out of a job in the Bay Area, we felt unity and we felt peace about staying. And that was a big moment that tested this value of unity. Yeah, it did. And so like we mentioned before, we learned earlier on uh, that marriage started our ministry, but it doesn't stay or that marriage as ministry starts in our marriage, but it doesn't just stay in our marriage. It flows out of our marriage. And so if it flows out of our marriage, then what is it producing? What are some of those byproducts uh, that, that it produces? Well, for us, uh, this led to something in our own relationship that we've come to coin the third wheel ministry. Okay. <laughs> Hear us out. Hear us out. This is a true story. Bethany and I, we got married when we were 25 years old. Okay. At the time, we were going to church in SF, actually just a few blocks away from here. And as soon as we got married, we did something that some might say is a little weird or unconventional or outright doesn't make sense. We joined the singles ministry. True story. Weird, get married, join the singles ministry, doesn't make sense. Yeah, we have to confess, this was not a missional move for us or a part of ministry. We did it just because we wanted to keep having fun. <laughs> We wanted to keep hanging out and doing fun things, and since we didn't have kids yet, single people happened to be the people we wanted to do it with. <laughs> uh, these were the people that were most closely linked to us by age. And looking back on that now, God was actually teaching us how to be intentional about fostering relationships with others regardless of their status. 
This is what marriage as ministry looked like in our lives. We maintained and we cultivated friendships and we learned how to embrace new friendships with single folks as well. And these friendships embraced Kevin and I together. It wasn't just me going out with my girlfriends or Kevin going out with his guy friends. Though that did happen, it was also spending time together with someone who was single. Um, and so during this time, we never wanted our single friends to feel like third wheels. <laughs> Uh, we would invite them over for dinner, around the kitchen table, or for holidays like Thanksgiving and Christmas. And these friends became a part of our extended family. Now we look back and many of the singles we walk beside are now married themselves and some have kids. And we have some great memories of doing life with these friends. And as we later reflected, we thought, what better way to coin that time than to call it the third wheel ministry? <laughs> so. We would really like to encourage you this morning, if you're married, cultivate a third wheel. Or a few, a few of them. And if you're single, become a third wheel. <laughs> That's right. And, and as a side note, as married couples, we can be third wheels too. So, you know. Um, but this is really important. And, and, I also feel like it's equally, equally important to point out that third wheels never happened at the expense of our intimacy or our relationship. Okay, again, unity as a goal and as a guiding principle, this helped us to navigate when it was a good time to invite others over or if we needed to reschedule. Um, but even still, it was important for us to invite our friends into our homes and into our lives. We didn't view our single, uh, single friends as an intrusion into our lives, and we welcomed the time to sit with people and, and talk about things actually other than marriage. We talked about work, we talked about uh, life, um, experiences, uh, everything. And so um, this became, uh, they became a second, we became a second family for many, uh, especially around uh, birthdays and holidays. And so as time passed, we, began, we became the couple that our single friends would introduce their prospective partners for approval. <laughs> and you, you, you see this discipling uh, exemplified by Priscilla and Quilla in, in Acts 18, where in Acts 18, 26, it says, when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him into their home. And this is where they're welcoming Apollos into their home, explaining to him the way of God more adequately. Uh, these were discipleship opportunities. Um, and these were discipleship opportunities that they embraced. And in this, this, in this, they were modeling uh, something for Apollos. Their relationship was pointing and directing him to Jesus. Okay? And, and we, when we are pointed and directed toward Jesus, he will always point and direct us outside of ourselves. It's because ministry always points and directs us outside of ourselves. See, in marriage, it either points us outward to serve our spouse, or together it points us outwards to serve others. And we want to acknowledge that there is a tension, though, as you stay single or as you get married, especially for married couples um, with kids. There's this dynamic that happens because of the rhythms uh, that, that families have to take on with young kids. And actually, I heard uh, Tim Keller, who's a pastor and author, uh, once say, and I'm paraphrasing, that when you're married with young kids, your main goal is just stay saved. Now, <laughs> and obviously this is a joke, um, but the point is, is that raising kids is demanding. 
You know, it requires a lot of you. Actually, it requires all of you. And when you have kids, your priorities are automatically set for you. So in those early years, you may not be able to, to hang out with your friends in the way that you used to, but that's okay because it's just a season. Um, you do what you can, when you can, to maintain those relationships because that tension is super real. And sometimes it seems like the dynamic is often either you are single while all your friends are getting married or you get married and all your friends are still single. You're faced with that challenge of trying to figure out how to maintain your friendships with your single friends if you're married or how to maintain your friendships with your married friends if you're single. In fact, I remember one day when our daughter Zoe was still a baby and a single friend of mine had called to ask, what was I up to? And I basically responded with the normal day-to-day -day stuff that a young mom has to do, but I got such a kick out of her response, which was, I mean, you're just staying home now. Can you really be that busy? <laughs> and this is how we felt our single friends viewed us. Yeah, meanwhile, the way, the way that we uh, viewed our single friends can best be characterized by this meme that I saw my cousin post on social media last week that read, Friends with no kids be like, you want to go to Africa this Friday? <laughs> so, <laughs> our point is that when it comes to cultivating these relationships, the tension on both sides of being singled and being married is real. But we have to be really careful because there is a trap that exists in this tension. Okay, and that trap is that you can tell yourselves, you know, we're married now, so maybe we should just go out and find more friends that are like us who are married. Or you, if you're single, you, you might think, oh, my friends are getting married now, maybe I should just go find more single friends that I can hang out with. Well, we want to challenge that. We want to challenge it. We also want to encourage you that if you're single, we want you to double down on your relationships with other couples or other married couples. And if you're married, we want to challenge you, especially if you're married with kids, we want to challenge you to continue to invite singles into your, your relationship. Because maintaining devotion to those relationships, um, it, it takes devotion. It takes work. Don't just um, let them go because your life is different or because uh, it's not easy or because it's difficult. Um, commitment to our relationships is key to us fulfilling our holy orders. Yeah, because whether you're single or you're married, God is doing something in all of our lives. Um, what he is doing shouldn't stop with us. We need to open up our lives to others so that we can share what God's doing. The more we mature as followers of Christ, it becomes less about us. And the more we mature in our relationship with God, it becomes more about the others around us. By sharing our life with others and by inviting others in, we're making a space and we're making room to grow and become more like Jesus, which we all know we need to do. Yeah, in church, um, Jesus is God's gift to us. God shared himself with us. And we, our relationships with one another, are also God's gift to us. Okay, we have been placed on this earth with each other for God's goodness. To love each other and to care for each other, we have all been given holy orders to fulfill, God, fulfill God's purpose on this earth. And it's really important to point out that to God, there is no distinction between your work and ministry or your relationships in ministry or your goals in ministry. 
or even your marriage in ministry. Our lives as Christ followers is ministry, all of it. Okay, all of these things are meant to be a reflection of God's goodness, and all of these things are meant to point people to Jesus. It's all ministry in God's eyes. And so we need each other to make this happen. It's by God's provision and by his grace and by his love we will carry out these holy orders that God is giving us to each one of us. Let's pray. God, we want to thank you that you created relationships. And we want to thank you that no matter whether we are married or single, you desire to draw, close, draw us closer to you through our relationships. Help us to strengthen our relationships with those you have placed in our lives. Speak to our hearts this morning about how we can be used to point people to you. We want to give you the glory, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.